0: Yeah, and look what shirt you're wearing, on. I Please excuse my fan moment. You know what? I If I had known, I would have worn mine, and it would have been a weird, <laughs> freaky Friday <laughs> moment for us uh, together.
1: Welcome to the Final Girls Podcast, where I make all my fangirl dreams come true by talking to the Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm Anna Bogatska, co-founder of The Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. We're making a little detour from our teen horror season to stop by in Haddonfield, Illinois. Halloween Kills is out in UK cinemas now. The film, directed by David Gordon Green, is the new installment in the reboot of John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's iconic film, starring once again the great... Jamie Lee Curtis in the role of Laurie Strode. We'll have a full episode coming next week, discussing the film in spoiler-free and spoilerific detail, but in the meantime, I had the absolute honor of speaking to the living legend herself about the new Halloween film, Laurie Strode's emotional arc, and her warrior nature, as well as some of the extreme violence of the movie. This was a dream come true. And of course, of course, I was wearing the Jamie Lee Curtis t-shirt from our collaboration with Girls on Tops, because how could I not? A quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TheFinalGhostUK for updates, event announcements, horror memes, and embarrassing pictures of me wearing a Jamie Lee Curtis t-shirt talking to the actual Jamie Lee Curtis. We also have a Patreon where you can support our work, get occasional bonus episodes, and I will be posting the full video of this interview over there. But for now, enjoy the interview, watch the film, it's out in Yuki Cinemas now, and we'll be back to discuss Halloween Kills in its entirety in another bonus episode.
0: Can I tell you something it's funny?
1: Of course.
0: Before I did Scream Queens... Honestly, when I was a little unemployed and feeling like, you know, I had done yogurt commercials and I felt like maybe they had actually taken a hit on my career and I wasn't working, um, I was sent a script called Final Girls. And it was a TV series, um, sort of like X Men, where mm-hmm. this sort of mysterious woman gathered all of the final girls from these serial killers and kind of trained them together. They all lived together, kind of like in a dorm. And then they were to go out and prevent any more Final Girls from happening. So they would go into communities like where a, a serial killer was gonna, and they would, uh, you know, try to prevent another Final Girl. Did that ever? We, did that
1: series ever happen?
0: No, we sold it though. And then we sold it, but we sold it to the last place on earth you would want to make a TV series. And I won't say where, because then it would be really rude of me. And (laughs) it was the joke. Like when we were pitching, we pitched at FX and Hulu and Dig and MTV, like all of the studios, all of the networks. And there was this one company. And I remember leaving that building, saying to my friends, Jeff Dixon, the writer, I remember, saying, wouldn't it be funny if this was the only place that bought it? And they were the only place that bought it. And for a minute, it looked like we were gonna make this show there. It ended up being in a development thing and then they like they wanted it developed. They, I thought they were ready to shoot. The script was terrific. Anyway, I had never heard the word Final Girls in my life. I had never heard the phrase. I had never heard the word Final final girls in my entire life. I had also never heard the word trope because as we were pitching it, Jeff Mm -hmm. and the director would talk about these tropes. And I remember like trying to pretend I knew what I was talking about. So I'd be like, oh yeah, the tropes. (laughs) And I remember going home and looking it up. I was like, what the fuck is a trope? So I'd never heard the word final girls and I didn't know what a trope was, but now I do. And sorry, I, I hijacked your interview.
1: Listen, I love that um, uh, because, <laughs> well, Laurie Strode and the final girl trope kind of inspired not just the name of the podcast, but the name of one of my company. And it's just such a, an honor and a pleasure to talk to you, Jamie, Thank even you for so a much. few minutes. I just wanted to start with, kind of with this film. One of the things that really really struck me about it was the fact that Laurie is kind of not alone for the first time. And the anchor, the emotional anchor of the Halloween 2018 for me was really her relationship with her daughter and, you know, her not being the final girl anymore, but there being more than one and it being all about generational trauma. But what do you think is the emotional anchor for her in this film?
0: I look at Laurie Strode as somebody who is a pinball in a pinball machine and when michael myers um first arrived you know she was going to go to med school she was going to be the valedictorian of her class Mm. Um, she might have gotten a kiss before she graduated high school but she was focused and you know the trauma of that night the occurrence of that night catapulted her life and she just didn't get any mental health help and I look at her like a pinball in a pinball machine. She just banged around life. She banged into guys. She banged into, inst- like, whatever she did, She the way a pinball makes, it makes contact, and then it re- recoils. That's the nature, the bumpers. It bang, 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 hmm. bang. And then it drops down the bottom. Clink. Then you shoot it back up, and then it goes again. I feel like that's what her life was. And one of those bangings, ended up creating a child who then she tried to take care of and then they took the child away, the husband left, the other, like it all fell apart. At the end of the 2018 movie, I think she could have died in the back of that truck. She could have bled out and been the happiest person on earth. Back with her daughter, back with her granddaughter, Michael Myers, dead. I think she could have been She would have died so happy that this new movie she's wounded warrior she Mm -hmm. we cannot she cannot um first of all the first part of the movie she thinks he's dead
1: yeah and
0: so she we actually get to see this very romantic side of her Mm -hmm. little flirty little Mm -hmm. little what if frank Hawkins is wheeled in next to her. I actually think she probably thought Frank was um, Karen's father. Because she says to him, do you remember that night in the bar? Yes. Do you remember what happened? She's trying to say, did we have sex in the bar in the back in the bathroom? Because I have a vision of somebody having sex with me in the bar in the bathroom. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like you were there. And he says, yeah, we kissed and I wanted more, but I didn't. And I think Mm in that, like we see that happening with Laurie and Hawkins. And I think there's something lovely and romantic and for the first time, some hope for her. They've survived, they're both alive. Maybe she'll, maybe they'll be, maybe they'll be together. Maybe it's all gonna work out. And then the truth shows up. So she's a wounded warrior She's opening like a flower the way a, a woman does around someone who I- is gentle with them. And do you know what I mean? Like she's leaning mm-hmm. in to, to the possibilities of love. And then the reality hits.
1: There's a little glimmer of hope in those moments which she thinks Michael has said.
0: Right. And then she's a wounded warrior, but she's back to warrior but now her daughter and her granddaughter have to be her emissary of the warriors because she can't physically do it. And I really Mm. look at it as Alison. I think Karen is not a warrior by nature. Karen is a therapist. Karen, even though we see her in the 2018 movie, have the best moment in the movie, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, gotcha. Like that's the best moment in the movie. Mm. But she's still not a warrior. She's a, you know, she's a strong woman, but her nature isn't a warrior. Allison is a warrior. Like Allison, I really feel, becomes uh, Lori.
1: What's interesting as well about while Lori is kind of forced to take a break in a way because she is wounded, we get to see the violence that has been a part of Haddonfield for so long. That's yes. never really been the, the, the... the protagonist of the film so far and yes. the violence in the film is extreme it's, it's so violent
0: level. it's next it's
1: on un- it left me aghast for so many well, scenes
0: and the first real scenes of violence in the movie are the firefighters yes. who go to put out the fire and i feel like he has risen like the phoenix he has risen from the flames and he has been he has transcended into a different type of of malevolence. And those first kills are more brutal, so much hyper-violent than any kill in the original movie that you get a sense of, oh, Mm -hmm. shit, this guy is on a rampage. Because the trap didn't work. You know it's what I mean? Really they
1: trap him. Oh, it's yeah. terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's really scary to you.
1: see the the people as well, the mob mentality. I agree. With mentality. You. I agree um, with you. do you think that and kind of because that's also human violence and it's very recognizable. Do you well, think that's kind of almost as, scarier?
0: Well, no, it is scarier, and we've seen evidence of that, of course, all around the world. You know, there's a line where I think Brackett or, or Omar, somebody says he's turning us into monsters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are monsters. We're just monsters, Just we just dress better. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're human beings, therefore we are contradictory and fucked up. And I think, I think uh, the mob violence is, is uh, terrifying. Um, it's as brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as without thought. It's, a, uh, it's without any conscience um, in the same way that his violence is. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's powerful.
1: It feels weirdly prescient in the same way that Halloween 2018 felt very weirdly prescient you've to a just, particular... Okay,
0: you've just done my interviews for the last five days. Literally, what, the exact Sorry. word I used weirdly prescient that david gordon green wrote a movie about female trauma and and facing your aggressor um coming out october 21st on the heels of the beginning of october ronan Mm -hmm. Farrow writing about those women and the tidal wave that hit Mm -hmm. in the exact same way this movie was written by the way in 2018 it came out in we made it in 2019 it's now 2021. We've watched three cycles of unrest and group protests and mob violence take over. It's weirdly prescient. It's eerily, creepily prescient. And it really shows me how David Gordon Green has, and I give him all the credit, of course they are Danny McBride and you know the other writers, but mm. that he is, Clairvoyant, he has, a, he has some prescience in him that's kind of creepy. It makes you wanna to go to Vegas with him or something. Cause like he could like maybe go, that table's gonna be really hot. You'd be like, okay, let's go. I feel, and I feel like the next chapter, the last chapter of this trilogy is going to do the same thing that, it, uh, that these two have done. And it's just gonna make people really mad. And shocked. I'm
1: really scared about it, to be honest. Yeah, and you I know we're running out of time, so <laughs> no. I wanted to to say and ask you something. Really, I've always really admired just how much joy you've shared with audiences over the years with Laurie and with the Halloween films, and it's a character that's meant a lot for so many people for generations of audiences. And I wanted to ask you, kind of, have you noticed? Um, what do you what have you noticed from people's relationships with Laurie Strode with these with this new with this new trilogy of films
0: the best way i can answer it is something you can actually look up when we sold the 2018 movie and i was you know on the tour um we we did the cover of entertainment weekly and there's a mm-hmm. photograph that art Stryber took that my friend michelle romero created and it's a picture of Lori strode and jamie lee curtis And Jamie Lee Curtis is holding Laurie Strode's face and kissing her on her forehead. That's how I think people feel about Laurie. Like, I think we all have wanted to take care of her all these years. I think that vulnerability that she showed back in 1978 is the same level of empathy that we felt for her then this unexpected heroine, this brainiac sweet girl who just wanted a boy to kiss her. And I think there's something so gentle about her that I think people have related to her for all these years. And the way I am looking at her in that picture is the way I think people come to me. They just wanna, they love her the way I love her. And um, when you see that picture, you can look it up. Entertainment Weekly, mm-hmm. Jamie, and, Jamie and Jamie, Jamie and Lori. It's a beautiful photograph. It's a beautiful photograph and uh, a powerful picture.
1: I really hope that audiences take care of, the, um, of Lori with this new film as well. Jamie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. It's been my pleasure.